At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. We welcome you back in. It is hour number two of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. I'm Ben Wilson from the South Point Sportsbook Studio in Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi with us uh, here on a uh, Tuesday edition of the Lombardi Line. I would be remiss, Michael, if I did not uh, at least mention the retiring of Danny Amendola. I know that uh, that was news that yeah. uh, broke out last night. I know a guy you've you followed his career very, very closely, the two-time Super Bowl champ. And uh, I, know, I know a guy you are going to miss uh, playing after a very solid 13-year career there, Amendola. Yeah. Great warrior. You know, Danny Amendola, little guy, but he was able to make some incredibly great catches. And the combination of he and Juliet Edelman, two little guys, Smurfish-like, uh, on that Patriot team in 14 and 16, uh, were dynamic. And, and his ability to kind of win option routes and make tough catches certainly helped Tom. Brady and the Patriot offense get all those victories. So I salute them. I thank them. I think that's the way to best appreciate somebody who has delivered for you in a team atmosphere and has done it really humbly. I mean, Danny uh, was one of those players that just did whatever he had to do, whether it was return a punt, return a kick, or make a tough third down catch. Great career. Yep. Son of a high school coach, you know, and, and put it all on the line every single week. No question. Yeah, great great career for Amendola. 13 years in the National Football League announces his retirement uh, officially. As we, we talked about earlier in the show, Michael, we have the full NFC South breakdown here today. Uh, we'll transition to that in a second. couple of training camp news and notes that, just, uh, that I've just seen coming out here today. And again, you know, how big are these? It, it, it kind of remains to be seen. Uh, as far as some of these stories coming out today, though, the Bears sign another offensive of Lyman. We saw that yesterday with the vet. It's, uh, it's Riley Reif who, uh, who will be signed there. Ryan Pohl's making that announcement today. 
as kind of the same thing we talked about yesterday, right? Like there is not really one player the Bears could possibly sign that would turn that general offensive line around, but at least they're going with a veteran who has been with the Bengals forever. Uh, It's the latest installment of Chicago trying to do something for an O-line that needs a lot of help. Well, it needs a lot of help. But the problem is when you sign an older player, I mean, one of the things you learn in the National Football League is age doesn't always maximize your, the solution, right? And so when you sign an older guy who's been hurt, don't get surprised when he's hurt again. You know, don't be surprised, if, and especially when he's over 30 years old. You know, and that becomes a problem, and the wear and tear on his body has taken a toll. So I don't wish anything bad on Riley Reef. It's certainly going to be an upgrade at left tackle for him, you know, for him to come in there and make plays. But, you know, I think we saw this last year when, you know, Brian Balaga signed with the Chargers. You know, right. it looks good yeah. on paper, right? But then Balaga can't stay healthy. And so it really doesn't look good, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, a guy's got 10 million reasons to stay healthy, but Kenny, and I think ultimately this, uh, this problem with the Chicago Bear offensive line isn't just a today's problem. It's been a problem since Ryan Pace took over when he didn't draft anybody until I think he drafted uh, the kid from Iowa who's now on, uh, on James Daniels, you know, mm-hmm. in the second or third round. I mean, that took forever for him to make that pick. So, you know, to me, when you don't pay attention to your offensive line, don't be surprised when you don't have a bad line. No question. Rather, if the 33-year-old, just the one year a season ago with, the, with Cincinnati, now comes over to the Chicago Bears. The other couple of news and notes I'm seeing here, this, uh, just, just kind of uh, populating now after all the coaches have had their media availabilities here for the day. A lot of first days of training camps around the league. Uh, we just talked to Will Hill, very high on, Den- on Denver this year. But uh, Randy Gregory, their top free agent signing, he's going to start on the PUP list as well as, uh, as yeah. uh, offensive lineman Billy Turner. So those couple of big uh, couple of big names adding to the mix there in Denver, each going to start off sideline there for, tra- for uh, training camp here. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in Randy Gregory that we're always not sure of. I mean, one thing about Randy Gregory, it has never been his talent on the field that's held him back. It's been his off-the-field activities. Mm-hmm. And you hope that, you know, some of the stuff that's going to go away, signed a huge – that's one of the reasons you're always reluctant. That's one of the reasons why Dallas was putting clauses in the contract to kind of assure themselves that he wasn't going to go the wrong way, which at times in his career he has. So let's hope he doesn't. The other news I think – of the day is Joe Burrow's undergoing surgery right now to remove his appendix. So obviously he had an appendix problem. That's not going to take too long. But, you know, just these little nits bit of training camp that you miss because training camp is over in a blurb. I mean, today is Tuesday by by 15 days from now. Camp's over. Right. I mean, camp will be over. The, yes, yeah. the Joe Burrow, yeah, the, the appendix removal. I guess it's better to have that happen now than, uh, let's say, in the middle of the, of the season. So that, that yeah, although, the, yes, the, the weird timing of that actually happening on the basically first day of camp there in Cincinnati. And Randy Gregory, five-year, $70 million deal. Again, he, he starts there on the PUP list. I guess the, I, the only other really, I don't even know whether to qualify this as news coming out, Michael, because we heard this talked about all offseason, but Bill, Bill Belichick officially into his first day of camp uh, press conference basically says uh, we're, we're not big on tight and all of that. That was the quote today. They've still not named an offensive coordinator. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that one. Well, I mean, like, you know, I've written about this before. I, I think ultimately Coach Belichick is about earned. You know, he obviously makes it very clear to the players, and he'll do that today when they all meet. You know, nothing is given here. Everything is earned. And it's the same thing with coaches. I mean, he's going to give somebody responsibility, but he's not going to give them the title. And then he's not going to have them have to carry the burden of that title to the media and be the, be the guy who becomes the lightning rod for the blame. 
I mean, it's always better to when he can stand. You know, one of the things about leadership that we talk often about is when you're leading people, you know, when things are going well, you stand behind them. When you're leading people and things are going bad, you stand in front of them. And this is what Belichick's doing. He wants to make sure that if anything happens bad, he's going to stand in front of the coach. So they're not going to take the pressure of it all. And I think it's probably the yep. smart play. No, no question. It's funny also we've got all these TVs here in our South Point studios. we got uh, Jerry in, uh, in Oxnard, California. He, Jerry's got the cowboy hat on. He's addressing the media <laughs> right, right now. It's, all, it's, it's amazing, it's right? Guy. I mean, it's you good. know, it, it's unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable uh, that they, you know, that, that – you know this. You know what, what? What fans don't realize when Jerry does this, it, it, and he's he's entitled to it. It's his team, right? But when he becomes the the person in front, the players realize they work for him. They don't work for McCarthy, and so when he does this. It's with good intentions. It's with bad results. Mm -hmm. I've lived this, so I'm not talking about this as an outsider. I've lived this. Now, Al Davis never got in front of the media, but every player that came through the Raiders, whether Gruden was the head coach, whether Bill Callum was the head coach, or whether John Madden was the head coach, they all knew they worked for Al Davis, essentially, that the head coach was not a figure head, but he reported to Al, and nothing happened unless Al said it was okay. I was sitting at an owner's meeting in Palm Springs in 1993, and I was sitting with Marvin Demoff, and Marvin Demoff picked up a legal pad, and he said, do you see this legal pad? Whatever it takes to acquire this legal pad at the Raiders is the same amount of energy it required to sign Jeff Hostetler. It goes through <laughs> the same channel. Somebody signs yeah. off on both things, and his Maybe. name's Al Davis. And so when Jerry does this, Ben, He's telling everybody in the world, you work for me. Meanwhile, McCarthy's sitting there saying, when's, when's Sean Payton coming in to take my job? Right. It's a very challenging part of trying to develop a culture when, you, when the guy who is in charge of the team is destroying the culture from within. We saw McCarthy say yesterday, yeah, not, not worried about being on the hot seat. It's, it's a little tough to take that at face value when you watch Jerry, who, by the way, dressed in – he's got a polo, cowboy hat. He might, he might as well be a coach. He looks like a coach. He's not dressed in the suit there, uh, addressing the media right now uh, in Oxnard. Uh, and then one other training camp uh, piece here that we can kind of transition into the rest of our NFC South conversation, Michael, where uh, we see Sam Darnold come out. He, his quote was, he is cool with Baker Mayfield being ahead of him in the competition there as they open up camp in Carolina, saying, in our eyes, we're both the starting quarterback. Uh, how do you realistically evaluate the training camp battle between those two guys? We have, I know, some, comp, uh, some comparison graphics we're going to show up here in a second. The Darnell-Mayfield battle that is going to uh, be at center stage there in Charlotte. Well, I mean, look, you know, whether you like Darnold coming out in the draft or you like Mayfield, you know, which one you like better, the, the reality of it is is the player who's played better since pro football has been Baker Mayfield. The tape doesn't lie about that. I'm not a huge Mayfield fan. I think there's limitations. But you have to acknowledge that he has played better over his career in Cleveland than Sam has played with the Jets in the one year in Carolina. So that's the start. The other thing Matt Rule must do is tell the team that every position's for competition. Like everybody, like we're doing on this show, we're focusing on the Mayfield Darnold. But for the Panthers, it's about everything's competition. Everybody's got to earn their spot. And don't worry about what's happening over at the quarterback field. Worry about what you're doing on your field. And I think ultimately if Matt can convince the team of that, he'll do a better job. Look, Ben McAdoo knows the offense. He knows what he wants to run. He's a spread guy, likes to be an 11 personnel, which suits Baker's game if he gets him under center a little bit. They like to run boots and nakeds. I think we'll see. I think a lot of this is who picks up the offense the quicker. And ultimately, Ben, 
who makes the least amount of mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the one thing that, that, that we saw last year with Baker and we've seen over Sam's career, not necessarily just at New York and Carolina, but in, in Los Angeles with USC. Too many pro, too prone to, to, to making mistakes, and those mistakes cost you games. And you talked about earlier, though, you're a little higher, at least on the rest of the roster, the talent they have in general. If you look at like what ESPN did way, way back, this was, a, I guess, at the start of June here where they came out, just listed their overall roster breakdowns, 1 through 32. If we're looking at this division, uh, Bucks second, Saints 11th, Panthers 27th, Falcons 31st. Do you believe the Panthers are a, a bottom six overall roster when you look at the personnel they've got? Not, not when they're compared. Like, if you, look at it, if you look at their roster compared to Atlanta, I don't think it's close. Right, I think they're better now. Atlanta beat them last year. They beat Atlanta, but I think they're a better team than Atlanta. But you know, all this doesn't matter until you do it on the field. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we'll find out pretty quickly because as we talked about when the first trade was made with Baker Mayfield coming in. Panthers-Browns week one will, will be the play there. And we still have to get to uh, the Falcons. We're going to break them down here uh, at, at the end of the show. Do, are you still convinced, though? We saw, uh, I think it was DraftKings put out the odds. It was, what, uh, Mayfield minus 1,200 to be the starting quarterback. Darnold plus five, 500. They've taken those markets down. Are, are you still, uh, are you thinking that this is just a complete slam dunk done deal? Or is there at least going to be some semblance of a back and forth there in camp? I will see. I think it'll be a back and forth. We can pick it up after the break. But I think it should be a back and forth. I don't think it's a slam dunk. It's got to get earned. Well, minus 1,200. That, that does feel a little bit heavy to me if you were actually going to make a bet on that. Again, they did take that market off the board, but I'm kind of with you. I don't feel like even though everything you laid out, I totally agree with. Darnold and, and Mayfield, Mayfield the better numbers. We showed it on the screen. Not that that is just a lock it in. He's automatically going to be the starter week one. I'm curious to see how the offseason uh, will play out. We'll wrap up the NFC South talking Falcons at the end of the show, but up next, uh, and in a couple minutes, we'll go Saints and Bucks as well with that comparison here on the Lombardi line. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. 
In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, yeah, because you got to think, he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on top of that. that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came to my room crying tears. (laughs) I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We welcome you back in second hour of the Lombardi line here from DC and the sports betting network with Michael Lombardi. I'm Ben Wilson, just tailing up our, our conversation here, Michael on the Panthers and we'll transition here into some saints and bucks breakdown NFC South day today uh, on the show. Uh, so end of the day, you certainly feel like Panthers and what they've done in Carolina from the staff point of view with Matt rule, trying to bolster the guys around him, bolstering some of the personnel uh, end of the day, third favorites there coming out of the NFC South. Where do you see them landing here? When you look at, uh, at the win totals where they're at uh, right now, now you see uh, Carolina's going to open the season six and a half most spots here on, on the win total. We'll see if it, well, it remains to be seen if it's going to actually be Baker Mayfield week one, even though he's heavily favored to be that starting quarterback. You know, I think they should win eight, eight, eight or nine games. I think they have that. They've improved their special teams, too. Chris Tabor comes over from Chicago, who's a very good special teams coach. They've added a very good punter, you know, and, and so they've been very good in that area, and the return game will be improved. So, look, uh, McCaffrey's got to stay healthy. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they're 3-0 and when McCaffrey played last year. Not that they were a great team. You know, but they were three and zero when McCaffrey was playing, and they've done a good job of. Uh, they got to keep him healthy. I mean, they just can't allow him to not, you know, miss the season. And so, they've got to improve in that area. I think they have. They have depth there. You know, they signed Dante Foreman. It gives him a big running back behind McCaffrey. Kind of gives him a good one-two combination along with Chuba Hubbard. So I. I I am not down on them. I think this Tommy Tremble kid that they have a tight end from Notre Dame who they drafted in the third round is a good player as well. So I like their team. I haven't liked their play at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I haven't liked the fact that their best player, the guy they're paying $16 million a year to, can't stay on the field. You know, if he can do that, if he can play like he did when he stays and plays 17 games, they're, they're going to be a good team. Carolina 5-12, and 12, receiving to go back-to-back five-win seasons there in Carolina. Six and a half the win total this year. Uh, like I said, we'll get to Atlanta. That'll be our final segment here of the show. But wanted to get to the top two teams, and we'll, we'll kind of compare them side by side here because it's, it's a wild how outside of that divisional loss that the Saints suffered at home in Drew Brees' final game back in the 2020 season, a game where if Jared Cook does not fumble barreling into well yeah. deep into Tampa Bay territory when New Orleans was in pretty good control of that game, 
Who knows if this would be a, look, five out of the last five won by New Orleans. But if you look at the recent history, kind of odd to see. I mean, the Saints really have had, especially in the Brady era, they have had Tampa Bay's number. You go back as well. Everybody's going to remember the Week 15 game, the Sunday night uh, output when uh, the Bucks were shut out there as an 11-and-a-half-point favorite, 9 nothing. Uh, so it's just, I don't know if, if there's anything you've looked at specifically in these matchups where you, found, you have found that the Saints have had some sort of edge there. I know defensively they were second in EPA per play against on rushing a season ago. But what is it uh, about, New, about New Orleans and what Dennis Allen's been able to scheme up there against Brady that, that might have some bearing going forward here? Well, I mean, look, Dennis Allen does a nice job of disguising what he's trying to do coverage-wise. So it, it kind of puts Brady a little bit defensive. He understands that Brady can do some things, and then they can cover. Lattimore can go cover. They can play some man-to-man, and you know, and they can put some pressure on the quarterback too. They match up well against the, the this Tampa offensive line. That's the key, right? You got to put pressure on Brady. You're not going to beat Brady letting him sit back there and count the five Mississippi. You got to put some pressure inside on him, and the Saints can do that, you know. And so, with Allen's ability to create some different looks, some options within his coverage schemes, and Demario Davis's ability to, to kind of cover the width of the field, they, they mm-hmm. set up perfectly. And look, they know how to play. You know, when you play each other as much as these two teams do, you kind of get a sense of how the game's going to go. Todd Bowles has a certain style. You know, Bruce Arians had a certain style, and now it'll be a different style as he comes in. But, you know, you kind of get a, a, a beat on what's going on, and I think ultimately – that's going to be the case. And I think we'll see New Orleans, you know, New Orleans' defense is set up to play Tampa well because they start with the front and they're able to put pressure. And then their offensive line can do a pretty good job against Tampa's front because the resources that New Orleans has put into their offensive line, two number one picks, uh, the, everybody's the number one pick except for, except for the kid, uh, except for the second round pick from Michigan. I mean, so they're mm-hmm. all in there. They, they've actually done a lot to help their line, and, and that's why they've been so successful. Certainly, when you look at New Orleans on paper, it's the defense, as you mentioned. You start off with that is clearly the strength. The big question now, though, at, at least if we're going to go to the offensive side of the ball, not only is it what you, do you get out of Jameis Winston, who all, by all accounts is going to be recovered from the ACL up surgery, coming back for this year. They've invested in him as their starting quarterback. But what are you getting from the offensive line, and how do you analyze that, uh, Michael, where you bring, bring in a rookie, your first-round draft pick in Trevor Penning? We'll try to make that transition from the FCS game where he was at uh, Northern Iowa now going straight to the NFL, the left tackle for Winston's blindside. Uh, and they've, they've invested pretty heavily as well. We, we knew uh, Cesar Ruiz, guys like that, Eric McCoy, Andres Pete will be the left guard, Ryan Ramchick back at right tackle, presumably uh, healthy as well this year. What do you make of that old line for New Orleans that has had its issues staying cohesive and productive over the la- last couple of years? Well, they've always had Harmstead at left tackle, who's always been hurt. You know, now he signs with Miami. But, you know, they've always had him there, and he's never been able to play 16 games on a continual basis. He's always was hurt, and that affected him. And I think this is a really good line. I mean, the one thing I always thought Sean Payton and, and Mickey Loomis did was they invested in the fronts. They invested in their defensive line. They invested in their offensive line. And it shows up. And I think the key question for can the Saints play well, we focus so much on – on Deshaun Watson's suspension, but what's Camaro's suspension going to look yep. like? What's that? What when's that coming in? Because right now, with just Ingram and Dwayne Washington, are they good enough? I mean, Camaro's such a huge piece of their offense, not necessarily just running the football, but his ability to make plays in the passing game. What averaging over nine yards per catch, you know, and that's sensational. And so he gives them so much to what they want to be able to do. You know, he is. I mean, he was targeted sixty-seven. Seven times last year 
that's a lot of targets, and he only played he only played in 13 games. It's amazing. I mean, so they want to yeah. get him the ball. They want to get him the ball, and and they got to get him the football. You know, because he makes plays when that ball's in his hands. So I think that's really the question mark on where they go there. That, that's a great point. Felony battery, battery charges is what Kamara is facing as the August first court date. Uh, there was the reports ca- that came out from ESPN a few days ago that the league league sources have the feeling that he could be suspended, but nothing is firm. Much will depend on the findings of the case. So yeah, it's a, it's very much up in there. You could you probably would think timeline wise, Michael, right? Because we're we're assuming that the Sean Watson case gets settled any day now. This thing could certainly bleed in well into the preseason. It might not even be wrapped up. You would think by the start of week one here, but that's a thing where how much time will Kamara even even uh, get there to figure out where he's at, at least in his overall suspension, if that ends up being the case there in New Orleans. No, no doubt, you know, no doubt. And look, you know, Kamara, the last year where Kamara wasn't as dominant as he typically was, was in the run game. I mean, he only averaged 3.7 a carry. You know, and, and nobody would have guessed that, right? You would have thought he would have averaged over five yards a carry the way we talk about him. But that was effective because of the offensive line. They couldn't really create it, and he became the only weapon. They, everybody keyed on Camaro when he was in the game. And so, you know, he had 240 carries. He didn't even get to 1,000 yards. He didn't get to 900 yards. Right. <laughs> so that was a problem. And they've, got to, and they've got to address that, and they've addressed it with their offensive line, starting with penning at left tackle. And only 47 catches for 439 yards, which you would think for a running back, oh, that's not bad. But by his standards, that was by far his fewest uh, catches and, and receiving yeah, you know, yards. Yeah, you, you know what jumps out at you on that? You know what jumps out at you on that number, Ben? Most of the time, the running backs and tight ends percent of when I throw the ball to them, they catch it. It's it's a completed pass, mm-hmm. right? Receivers and receivers and the outside players are usually in the 60 percentile range, 60 to 69. If you're really good, you're at 70. Kamara was only at 70%. Like, he had 67 targets, 47 catches. That's not good numbers for an inside route runner. Right. They got to get better, and a lot, and that's reflective of the lack of quarterbacking play. That's reflective of Trevor Simeon starting four games and Taysom Hill, you know, Ian, starting Ian how many there, games yeah. he started. Yeah, I mean, it, it couldn't make a play, and so that's that's the effect of it. They get stability at quarterback; they could be a lot better. You look at, at them again. They're the, the second favorite coming out right now of the of the NFC South. Eight and a half win total. As far as Tampa, the, the one uh, question I have for you, they bring in uh, Akeem Hicks to presumably pair with Vita Vea on the interior of the defense. Since 2019, no, no defense has allowed fewer, uh, at least on the has been better, I should say, on the EPA per play there defensively. That has been well documented, especially in the run game for Tampa Bay. Just how good do you expect that defense to be run back, considering that Todd Bowles, now he's still a guy, the guy who's going to be calling the defensive play, just goes from D.C. now to head coach there in Tampa. Just how good will the defense be here in 22 for Tampa? Well, if Hicks is healthy and he's over 30, can he stay healthy? I think that's the question. With he and Vita Vey, they're going to push the pocket back. They're hard to block. And Noches comes in off the bench. Uh, Roches comes in off the bench, and he gives them some juice inside. You know, and then they've got they've got a lot of other guys that they bring in there. This kid that they drafted, Tyron from Washington last year, was really impressive coming off the edge. So, look, they're good, and they're hard to match up to scheme-wise. If you don't prepare for Todd Bowles during the offseason, understand what he's trying to do to your protections you'll have a hard time I thought the interesting signing was Logan Ryan from the Giants you know they bring him in he's going to be the strong safety free safety it gives him another corner to be able to play their base front without having to go to nickel 
you have to think, too, for that secondary, for the most part, running it back on the starters, and then you add in a piece like that, the, the depth is, is unquestioned there in, in Tampa coming into this year. A lot of those things, big reason why they are your overwhelming $3.05 favorites right now to win the NFC South uh, once again there in that division. We'll still get to the Atlanta Falcons. That's our last team we have to break down. We'll do that in a couple of minutes. But first, when we return, it's Mo Egger. He'll break down all things Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow apparently undergoing uh, a surgery today for appendix removal. We'll get his take on the whole Jesse Bates contract situation and more. That's with Mo Egger next on the Bengals here on the Lombardi Line. The VEASAN football betting guides are coming soon, and there's no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Reserve your copy of the football betting guides today and get access to everything we offer for the entire football season with a VEASAN all-access subscription. Make this football season your best ever. Subscribe now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe we welcome you back to the Lombardi line it's hour number two we've got Mo Egger on the line right now who joins us from Cincinnati again back with the Michael Lombardi I'm Ben Wilson thanks to the whole crew as well Matt Santos our producer behind the glass Jeff Jens on uh, on audio we got Rob Moreno Matt Hicks downstairs as well our technical directors here today as we welcome in Mo Egger you can follow him on Twitter uh, at Mo Egger host there for ESPN radio 1530 in Cincinnati who would have thought uh, Mo it's like first day of camp and you've got Joe Burrow his appendix needs to be taken out emergency surgery Jesse Bates You've got the Cola contract issue there uh, aligning. Uh, what, what, what an interesting day one it has been, at least, to start this week off here for your coverage there in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, before you guys called me, I was just uh, taking in every Twitter expert's uh, thoughts on appendicitis, appendix removals, and applying <laughs> their experiences go. to what Joe's going to deal with. Yeah, I'm sure you've got great advice on that, Mo. I think I'm sure. That, look, anytime you want to get professional advice, you certainly go right to Twitter and find out. Because there's oh. one thing about Twitter I've learned, there's a lot of geniuses with erasers on there. I mean, there's no doubt, you know, so, you know, they, they could do it. I, I want to ask you the question that that has bothered me. I mean, the the are the Bengals – in your mind, were they lucky or were they just really good last year? Well, I, I think the whole were the Bengals lucky discussion, I, I think you have to separate the regular season from the postseason. In the postseason, did things go their way? Absolutely. They won three games on uh, the final possession. They had uh, two games end on kicks by Evan McPherson. They, they took advantage of Patrick Mahomes suddenly turning into a, a pedestrian quarterback at the second half of that game against Kansas City. Uh, they took advantage of, of Mike Vrabel doing some things strategically that uh, didn't make sense at the time and don't make sense now. Things fell their way. Uh, they Their offense, which was so explosive toward the end of the year, you know, frankly dried up in the postseason. And the formula for the Bengals we never thought would be defense and special teams taking them to a Super Bowl, and yet that was the case. And so, you know, that plus they were, for the most part, really, really healthy. And they certainly enjoyed that in the postseason. You know, we talked about that often going into the playoffs, that they might not have been the best team in the AFC, but they were probably the healthiest, at least if you listed their – you know, 10 to 12 most important guys. I do think, though, that narrative is a little overstated when we apply it to the regular season. They were 
four and five in games last year decided by a score. Uh, they weren't lucky when they lost to the 49ers at home in overtime. They weren't lucky when they lost to the Chargers in a game that was decided by more than one score uh, when Joe Mixon fumbles uh, and, and commits an unforced turnover in a game that you know, it looked like they were going to take the lead. And they had some games last year in which I think if you really watched this team, you would say luck really wasn't on their side to the extent that you would think. What they did at the end of the year is they stopped turning the ball over. Uh, midway through the season, Joe Burrow, I think through eight or nine weeks, led the NFL in, in picks thrown. And those totally stopped in the second half. And they won a lot of games in a lot of different ways. You know, at the end of the year, they win a game at Denver where they play field position ball. They win a game at Baltimore where they just, you know, Joe throws for 525 against the depleted secondary. They won a game at home against Kansas City in which they trailed 14 nothing, and, you know, had to get some stops late and win a shootout where Jamar Chase was awesome. They won a lot of games in a lot of different ways. If you win a division and if you put yourself in a position to succeed in the playoffs, you do need some things to go your way. And, again, the variable that you can't count on year-to-year being health, um, I think you're being fair if you wonder, are they going to be as healthy as they were last season when you go from one year to the next? That tends to not carry over. But I think the whole luck narrative really sort of undermines what they were able to accomplish, certainly in the regular season. And, look, in the postseason, uh, they had a great game plan against Derrick Henry. They had a very good game plan in the second half and an overtime against uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they executed just well enough against the Las Vegas Raiders in that first playoff game. I, I, I certainly will not discount the role that Fortune played in their run. Mm-hmm. I do think at times that gets harped on a little bit too much, and when it is, I sort of feel like it undercuts what they were able to accomplish. The, the Green Bay game, certainly you could throw in that mix as well. The, the crazy uh, kicks back yeah. and forth where, yes, they just happen to be on the wrong side of variance in that one. Again, Mo Egger joining us from Cincinnati, radio host there for ESPN uh, 1530. You talk about health and how that is viewed to be one of those variant things that can change pretty drastically from year to year. Michael and I talked yesterday about Lael Collins, who is already dealing with some back issues, not, not two things you ever want to see put together, back issues and offensive linemen. But that, that appears to be the big thing this year, right? How, how well can they protect Joe Burrow, a guy who took the most sacks of anybody in the league a season ago. Uh, where do you see this O-line ending up given all the investments that they made in the offseason? Well, I mean, if it, it, the very simple way of looking at it is they had a dreadful offensive line last year. And, and by the way, one in which I don't think the coaching staff gets enough credit for figuring out a way to, to scheme around, certainly in the postseason, but they had a bad offensive line last year. They came this close to winning a Lombardi trophy, and so it stands the reason that even if the offensive line is average this season, uh, that they should be significantly better. But, I mean, you know, you, you start, they sign three guys in the offseason. They'll take the field tomorrow without two of them. Um, you certainly don't want to go overboard and worrying about uh, Alex Kappa and Lyle Collins and the injuries they're dealing with, but I think you're being fair if you say, look, I'm – I'm going to sit on my hands a little bit until I see those guys out there, until I see those guys playing. And I think there's still a legitimate question about the depth on the offensive line. We spent a lot of time over the last month or so talking about, you know, if if there is an injury, and it's more likely when, uh, do we really trust the options at right tackle? Do we really trust the options on the interior of the offensive line? And I think you're being fair if you say the answer right now is no. And look, they, they've certainly addressed the O-line, and the unit top to bottom should be better. And I think the part of that that we don't talk about nearly enough is what it can do for a running game last year that was – okay, but not dynamic, but they do have an open gig. I mean, the only starting job that's really open on this team, aside from maybe the punter, 
is at left guard, where they took Jackson Carmen in the draft last year, and his rookie season was a disaster because he showed up out of shape. I never really think he, he grasped the level of maturity that was going to be needed for him to succeed as a rookie. They, they took Cordell Volson from North Dakota State in the draft. He and Jackson Carmen are going to duke it out. I certainly think you're being very fair if you wonder about how things are going to play out at that position, and is that going to be a weakness? But if they do get Kappa and Collins back in time for week one, and there's a lot of optimism that that'll be the case, you know, is it going to be a great offensive line? I don't know about that, but is it a significant upgrade from what they had last year? Um, I think that goes without saying. I think if we are talking in a month and we're still wondering about Collins, uh, Collins and Kappa and when they're going to come back, then I think the conversation changes uh, a little bit. My question for you, Mo, is this. Can McPherson be as great as he was in the playoffs? Uh, can he duplicate the 14 for 14, not missing the kick? I mean, you watch him practice every day. And, you know, you get – I mean, he was just Jason Tucker-like, Justin Tucker-like in the, in the postseason. He had – you know, didn't miss a kick. He only attempted 33 during the season. He only missed five during the season. But he was a dynamic player. To me, he was the MVP of the postseason – you think he can duplicate that? Yeah, I mean, you talk about the MVP of the postseason. It was what was discussed when they took him, right? In the AFC North, we've watched Justin Tucker and the Ravens here. And so we've seen Baltimore beat teams, including the Bengals, in games in which their offense sputtered, but they didn't have to take unnecessary gambles when they could put the kicker on the field and have him drill home a 53-yarder. It's such a weapon. It changes how you call plays. It changes how you manage the game. I think this is actually going to be worth paying attention to. Evan McPherson has a great leg, and in terms of his you know, demeanor, you're not worried about that. But, you know, I mentioned before there's not many open gigs on the team. What Evan McPherson walked into last year was a great situation. And I talked with uh, his college coach, Shane Graham, who kicked here forever. When Shane yeah. Graham left the Bengals, the holder was Kevin Huber, the long snapper was Clark Harris. Last year for Evan McPherson's rookie season, 12 years later, the holder was Kevin Huber, the snapper was Clark Harris. Kevin Huber has an uphill battle to keep his gig. If he plays in one game this season, he'll set the franchise record for most games played by a Bengal. Clark Harris is right behind him. I think he's six games away from him. So Evan McPherson walks into a situation in which the kicking operation is set. All he's got to do is kick. If Huber doesn't make the team, you've got a new holder. And I think that's going to be worth paying attention to. Certainly, if Drew Chrisman wins the punting job, he's going to be the holder. How does that affect Evan McPherson? Something we usually don't think about, but a very good point uh, you make, Mo. Again, you follow him. At, uh, awesome. we, yeah, we're not always doing the deep dive handicapping on the holders, but that's why we have people like you joining us here uh, on the Lombardi Lab. Nine and a half that went up for the Bengals, juiced over. Uh, they are minus 140 there to make the playoffs this year. Your second favorite coming out of the AFC North. Mo Egger joining us. Always a pleasure, Mo, having you on. We uh, wish thank you the you, best Mo. of Great luck job. Uh, covering camp there. And uh, thank, you, thank you for giving us all the insights there into the Cincinnati Bengals here for 2022. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Absolutely. Go check out Thank his, his uh, yeah, radio show every single day there on 1350, uh, 1530 excuse me, in Cincinnati. When we return, Michael, for our final preview of the NFC South, we're going to look at the Atlanta Falcons, what to realistically expect out of a big rebuild there. Second-year head coach Arthur Smith in the Atlanta Falcons. We'll discuss next as we wrap up the show here on the Lombardi Line.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers Incredible experiences and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. 
Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back for the final time on the Lombardi line. We were talking earlier, Michael. We saw Jerry Jones take the uh, take the podium there at training camp. I just see one interesting quote that did come out of that uh, press conference on Mike McCarthy. Jerry says, I want to be real clear. He wouldn't be sitting here today if I didn't believe he was the man to lead this team to a Super Bowl. And I have choices was the way Jerry closed that quote. I mean, Jerry's, I mean, look, everybody wants to coach the Cowboys. I mean, until you get there and have <laughs> yeah. to kind of play by the Cowboy rules, you know, I mean, that's always a little treacherous, but you know, I mean, Mike's going to have to, Mike's going to have to embrace it. I mean, Mike's just going to have to worry about what his job is. And to me, if I were Mike McCarthy, I would be more concerned about what my man, uh, uh, the offensive coordinator over there is doing than I would be, you know, anything else. I, I want to make sure that Kellen Moore was playing complimentary football, was understanding what it takes to win the game, not just running plays. That would be my emphasis. I would be focused on that because I want a Super Bowl calling plays. I know I had Aaron Rodgers, but I understand what it takes to put together this offense and get the ball to the right people. That's what I would be worried about if I was Mike McCarthy, not Sean Payton down the street. Right, and I have choices. It's just a classic, a classic Jerry quote to, uh, to end his, uh, his press conference there today. Um, as far as the NFC South here, we roll on to our final team. Michael, looking at the Atlanta Falcons right now, Arthur Smith, the head coach there, trying to start this whole rebuild here. We talked yesterday about how uh, you you clearly felt like if he is a a kind of a quarterback developer, was so willing to just let one of his backups from last year go uh, in Josh Rosen, who they let walk uh, go to Cleveland after only completing two passes in limited time through two picks last year. It kind of remains to be seen now what this situation will be like at quarterback here for the Falcons in the wake of the Matt Ryan era now ending Uh, from a general sense. How do you expect things to shake out and and what can we really expect to get out of the quarterback room uh, this year in Atlanta with the lowest win total of anybody in that division at four and a half? Well, last year they finished 26th in the National Football League in points scored. They finished 29th in yards and they replaced Matt Ryan with Marcus Mariota. Have they gotten better? Have they gotten better? Everybody else has stayed the same Mm -hmm. on their team. Everybody else is exactly the same. You know, they were 25th in turnovers. They turned the ball over. You know, they they were horrible in getting first downs. They were 28th in just accumulating first downs. They averaged 30 yards per attempt. You know, it, it, they were one of the worst teams offensively in terms of gaining yards per drive. And now they added a quarterback who I think is worse than Ryan, and you're going to ask them to come in and start to play. I mean, you know, they lost to Dallas 43-3, and then they got shut up by New England 25 to nothing. I mean, th- this is a team that wasn't explosive. Their best running back is Cordell Patterson, who's – I love Cordell Patterson. I, I-, I think he's great, you know. But they gave him the ball 153 times last year. Are they going to give it to him 253 times this year? Mike, Mike Davis took 130. Car- Who else is going to be the ball carrier on the team? Who else is getting the ball? They drafted a kid in the fifth round. Is he ready to do it? I don't think so. You know, so to me, I think this is when you look at this team numerically and all of the bad numbers that they posted offensively. We haven't even talked about defense yet. And they haven't improved their team. Like, they haven't added anybody to the team. They traded for Byron Evans from the Raiders, who was out of shape. Right? They haven't added anybody to the team from last year. So what you're saying to yourself when you turn that card in is everybody's going to get better. I'm not willing to say that. Let's talk defense, Ben. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were one of the worst defensive teams in all of football last year. They couldn't stop a a third down pass. They were 30th. They couldn't stop you in the red zone. And, oh, by the way, they were 29th in points allowed. Like, they're not good. 
And it's not I don't I, I just don't think they're good talent wise. I think this has been a poor, you know, they, they've had this perception when Dimitrov was the GM that they were this talented team. And I always thought they played over their talent. I didn't think they were. I thought they, you know, Mike Smith did a good job coaching them. And I thought that, you know, when you looked at it, they were just a team that 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 was kind of overachieving in the South. Ryan and they had Julio mm-hmm. and they made some plays. And they played in a dome, but I, I don't see how they get six wins. I really don't. Yeah, and, well, and even that, I mean, even even uh, five wins, that's that's what you need to go over this year. A team, too, that by virtue of going 7-10 and 10 last year, they were not last place in that division. They do not get a last place schedule as a result. It's actually a, a tough schedule just based on the overall win totals. They have the ninth toughest strength of schedule this year, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. If, and if you're looking at this from the perspective of, okay, as you just laid out, every single position category essentially p- possesses a pretty significant weak in, weakness there for Atlanta. Like if you're sitting there and, and we, we're saying, Michael Lombardi, you play GM right now and, and take over Atlanta. Where do you start when you have a franchise that has so many glaring holes at so many different position groups? Well, I would start where they put their resources, right? So they've got a first-round pick in Jake Matthews. I don't think played very well. They got a third-round pick in Jalen in Jalen Mayfield. You know, Matt Hennessy they picked in the third round, the center. Lindstrom they signed, they drafted in the first round in nineteen. So with McCary, both none of they couldn't protect the passer. These are all the guys that played last year for them. They couldn't protect the passer. Like, like, tell me how they're going to get better in that area. I, I don't see it. You know, I don't see how they get better in that area. Like, uh, to me, and then let's go to the defensive front. Like, where are they getting defensive? I think Grady Jarrett's a really good player. They picked him in the fifth round. Who else? Who else do you want me to talk uh, about? Like, Lorenzo like, Carter. Uh, I mean, Marlon Davidson, <laughs> you know. I mean, Lorenzo Carter, who they yeah. signed from the Giants. I mean, Vince Taylor, who was in New England, got bounced around the league. Like, tell me where I'm supposed to go. Like, I think A.J. Terrell's a really good coverage corner. But I have no problem throwing against Casey Hayward, who was in Vegas last year, who's over 30. Isaiah Oliver is the nickel corner. I mean, like, tell me where I go. Like, tell me where the strength of the team is. I don't have one. It's a hard You know, they drafted a kid. Yeah, I just don't see it. And, And then they're playing a quarterback who's prone to injury. And their backup is a rookie who, I, you know, Desmond Ryder might be a good player. And then Felipe Franks. Like, they let Josh Rosen walk out of there, and they don't really have a backup quarterback. It's amazing. And you think about, too, like, I mean, you go to the linebacking core. It's like, are they going to throw Troy Anderson in there right away as a rookie? That's kind of the hope. But, I mean, Deion Jones, if you look at his numbers, it has not gone well for him recently. So, yeah, there's not much to get excited about if you're looking at the actual personnel. And when you factor in the schedule, too, we'll, we'll, we'll flip that up there once again. When you have a team with a win total of four and a half, I mean, the, the natural inclination always, Michael, is to look and say, okay, well, four and a half, that's a pretty low bar to clear. But when you, you start off and it's a divisional matchup right out of the shoot with New Orleans, you go at Rams and Seahawks immediately. That's a three and four game stretch on the road there with, with dates against Cleveland, albeit likely without Deshaun Watson in San Francisco. I mean, first six games, a one and five seems like a pretty realistic output, wouldn't you think, for the first six just coming straight out of the shoot and then you go right away to Cincinnati, a couple games against the Panthers and, and a tough game as well against LA. That's all in your first 10 weeks there for Atlanta. I mean, could we get the Seattle game on Thursday night? What, who wouldn't want to watch Marcus Mariota <laughs> against Geno Smith? Oh, I mean, God. like, who wouldn't want oh, that, right? Like, come on. I mean, they might be favored in that game. I, I can't imagine they are, but they could be. But what other game would they be favored in when they play the Panthers? I mean, the Panthers beat them last year, so they go back and forth. Look, I, I, I think Arthur Smith's got his work cut out for him. I really do. And I think they've convinced themselves they're better than they really are. 
I mean, Dean Peace was saying the other day that they're going to finally put in the whole playbook. Well, like, what what has changed? You know, you drafted the kid from Penn State. Is that what's held you back from not putting in the, the whole playbook? I mean, you know, like, I, I don't understand it. So, you know, I, I, I don't I, – again, to me, football 101 is I'm going to build the offense and the defensive lines. And those are the two areas that I see Atlanta has huge viability mm-hmm. – the, the huge uh, deficits. And you mentioned McGarry too. Is there not? Is there no more of a just a greater microcosm in Atlanta's inability to draft than what we've seen in a guy like McGarry? Three years as a starter allows 41 pressures on the right side. Just last season alone, 41 pressures for a guy who was hey, a, f- a former first-round pick, and he's one of several that they've invested with high, high draft they capital. They can't pick Lyman. They ne- they never could the whole time they were down there. I mean, that they have, they've always been very good media wise. They've always had executive of the year, but their talent level has never been good. They're now they're paying a price for it. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, this is a tough Fontenot. I think has a very Terry Fontenot, the new general manager is year mm-hmm. two. I think he has a hard time. I think he should have, they should have drafted a quarterback last year, you know, Draft Mac Jones. If you've got Mac Jones on this team and you're picking there, now maybe all of a sudden you've got something you can build around. you got Marcus Mariota. You're praying every game that he stays healthy. You know, I know he was the first overall pick in the draft, and maybe he's bigger and stronger and tougher now. But you got a guy who's always hurt. you got a running back who was a receiver who's over 30 and never carried the ball this many times. And you've got skilled players where? I don't know. I don't know. It's a rhetorical question. Seattle minus three, by the way. Matt Santos digging that up for a Seattle minus three against Atlanta. Will that be a th- I should just be moved to Thursday. They move that game to London. Might as well do it, even though it's only week three. Why not? I don't, I don't care. Why, why not? Uh, for Michael Lombardi, great show as always, Michael. This is a blast. Enjoy your – you have a couple of days off here. I'll be with Mike Pritchard tomorrow, and we'll see you tonight on, uh, on primetime action as well. Uh, for Michael Lombardi and our producer, Matt Santos, I'm Ben Wilson. Saying so long from the Lombardi line, it is odds on. Mike Palma, Mall, Sean, next here on VSIM, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.